13. Matthew 9, 9 to 13. This is week number seven for us, where we have been going through the synoptic gospels. Anybody knows what the word synoptic means? Matthew, Mark, and Luke, right? The first three gospels, we call them the synoptic gospels. So we're not talking about the gospel of John. We're only reading the story of Jesus from, Ma from Mark, from Matthew, and from Luke. Uh, today is week number seven where we're following the ministry of Christ and we have arrived to Matthew chapter 9 verse 9 to verse 13. The same story was also mentioned in the book of Mark and also in the book of Luke chapter 5, Mark 2 and Luke 5. Very small differences between the story in, in the three accounts, in the three Gospels. So we're only going to read it from the book of Matthew and we're going to uh, just meditate on it for a little bit. Today we're going to read about how Jesus has called Matthew, who actually wrote the Gospel of Matthew, to be his disciple. We read that from Matthew 9, 9 to 13. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner, the Greek word here actually has reclining, just relaxing and sitting down and hanging out. Reclining at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. These are Matthew's pals, his, his friends. When the Pharisees saw this, he asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, right? But go and learn what it means, a desire mercy, not a sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Amen. Can we say that last phrase a couple of times because I want you to memorize it. Amen. For I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. Can you say it without looking at the paper? Or that? Okay. For I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. One more time, because I want this to be engraved in your mind and in your heart. Amen? You leave this place. You don't remember anything, but you remember this. Jesus said, I have not come to call righteous but sinners. If you forget everything today, just remember that. Amen? Jesus has come to call sinners. Amen? Now, look at that last phrase. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. In that phrase, I want to highlight with you three things. See, obviously, so obvious in that phrase. Number one, I want to talk to you about his coming, Jesus coming. He said, I have come, right? So we're going to talk a little bit about his coming. And number two, he said, I have come to call, right? So we're going to talk about his calling. And then number three, he said, I'm not calling the righteous. I'm calling the sinners. That's his people. So we're going to talk about three things from that one phrase. His coming, his call, and his people. Can we say this together? We're going to talk about his coming, his call, and his people. Amen. Just in case you're not familiar with the story, 
Jesus came and he was calling people to be his disciples. He called 12 that was very close to him and they just walked with him everywhere he went. They saw his miracles, they listened to his teachings and even after Jesus died and rose again from the dead and ascended to heaven, these 12 disciples actually took the message of the gospel the good news that Jesus shared, and they went all over the world and they proclaimed it to everybody as much as they could. One of the 12 that Jesus has called, his name is Matthew. He wrote the gospel of Matthew that we read in the New Testament, first book in the New Testament, written by a guy called Matthew. And in that phrase, Matthew is at, in that story, Matthew is actually recalling how he himself became a follower of Christ, how he himself became a disciple of Jesus. The story tells us that Matthew was a tax collector. He was sitting in his tax collecting booth. He's at, at work, right? He's sitting down. Imagine this. He's sitting where pretty much like a market or a public place like outdoor mall or something like that. And there is a booth and he's the tax collector sitting down counting money or, you know, like people are lining up before him and everybody's bringing his tax bill and he handed to Mr. Matthew and say, hey, Mr. Matthew, here's my bill for 500,000, whatever, $500 taxes for this month. And here's my $500. He's counting the money. He's collecting, stapping all these bills and just making sure everybody pays up. And then somebody passes by and that one person is Jesus. And remember, at this point, Jesus was very well-known preacher. He was already preaching everywhere. His fame is already everywhere. Miracles has been done so much. And everybody knew at that point in that town who Jesus was. And Jesus walked by this tax collector booth. He sees Matthew sitting inside, busy counting his money. And Jesus tells him two words. He says, what? Follow me. And what does Matthew do? The guy who was sitting down counting, now standing up, and he's following Jesus. And not just following him, he had a big party for Jesus at his house. But poor Matthew, all the people that he knew, are just tax collectors and sinners. He, that's his pals. He just, you know, imagine like, you know, like a prostitute. Or, and all her friends are prostitutes and her, her other friends are pimps. And that's the only people that she knows. And then she come to meet Jesus and she want to invite him over. But all the people that she knows is just bad people. But she doesn't know any better. So she brings all the bad people to, to that house. And Jesus is sitting on the table reclining. If you came to my house, I have this reclining couch. And if you've been to my house, I always pull it up and just sit down and relax. You might be eating, hanging out anywhere. And I'm just sitting on the couch reclining because I'm very comfortable. And you guys may have seen that. So anyways, Jesus is sitting down reclining and you have these Pharisees, these kind of like pastors, that priests, you know, like of our time. And they're like complaining as then they pulled the disciples aside, the, the disciples that Jesus had at this point and say, why is your teacher sitting down with tax collectors and eating with them and sinners? Jesus heard their complaint and he replied to them and he said, you don't go to the doctor when you're healthy. You go to the doctor when you're sick. The, the healthy don't need a doctor. It's the sick. And then he said, go and learn that verse. That is actually a quote from the Old Testament, from the book of Hosea, chapter 6, verse 6, where God said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. The rituals of approaching God of the Old Testament. 
And then Jesus said our phrase today, for I have not come to call sinners, but to call righteous, but sinners. Amen. And again, we're going to talk about these three main things in that phrase, his coming, his calling, and his people. So let's dig deeper. Number one, his coming. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm a news junkie. I love to, I'm always like watching news. Right, Dr. Givens, you're, yeah. you're a news junkie like me. <laughs> yeah. um, if you remember, if you remember the congressman from Texas, Pete O'Rourke, when he announced that he want to run for the Democratic uh, nomination. Remember that guy? He dropped already off. And when he wanted to announce it, he, I think, went on TV or something, and he said, I am going to run for the Democratic nomination. I want to be a president. And then he said, this is the reason why I was, anybody remember, I was born. He said that. I was born to do this. And the media, the news media, gave him slack for saying, I was born to do this. And every one of us, if you're so passionate about something, you say that exact same phrase. You say, I was born to do this. I love preaching. I love ministering God's word. And if I, somebody say, you, you left pharmacy to become a preacher, I was like, you know what? I love it so much. I was born to do this. This is the very purpose of my life. This is the very reason why I want to live to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Amen. And I'm so, I love it. And I'm so passionate about it. I am born to do this. I love to say that. Jesus, however, did not say, I was born to call sinners to repentance. Jesus said what? I have come. Now, Jesus is the only person ever who can say, I have come, not I was born. Why? Because Jesus is the only human, the only man who walked this earth who actually existed before he was born. Yes. You and I were not existed before we were born, but Jesus existed as the Son of God eternally before he was born, incarnated here on earth. That's what Christmas is about, isn't it? Yes. We're celebrating not, not that Jesus was born, which he was, but that he came down, right? Yes. That he incarnated in the form of a human being. Now, look at this. Imagine Jesus sitting in Matthew's house, reclining at his table, sharing a meal with him. In order for that to happen, Jesus had to come a long way in order to call Matthew to repentance. Amen? Number one, Jesus has to come from heaven. Number two, Jesus has to come to the booth, the tax collecting booth. And number three, Jesus has to come to his own house, Matthew's own house. Amen? So he had to come from heaven. He has to come to the booth. And he has to come to his own house. But Jesus came all that way for one person called Matthew so he can call him to repentance. Amen? Hallelujah. Number one, he came down from heaven for Matthew. We don't read that in our story right here, but we find that from other parts of the scripture. We read in Philippians 2, 6 to 8, how Jesus has come down from heaven so he can call sinners to repentance. Here is what Paul said, talks about Christ, and he said, who being in the very, I love the NIV in that phrase, in that part. It says this in the NIV, he was in the very nature God. 
Jesus was everything the Father is. He did not consider equality with God something he can hold unto for his own personal benefits. That's what the Greek in a way says. Amen? He was exactly God. He didn't want to remain in that condition as somebody who's equally God so he can avoid the pain of the cross, but rather he made himself absolutely nothing. Think about that. The one who's equally God becomes absolutely nothing. How did he do that? He did that by taking the form of a bond servant, a person, a human being like you and me, and coming in the form, in the likeness of man, and being found in the appearance of man. He became exactly man. That's what Paul is telling us. The one who was exactly God became exactly man. That's how he became nothing. But that was not even good enough for him. He came down even more. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point, even to the point of death, the death of the cross. This is what Jesus has done. The Son of God, who is equally God, in his nature, came down not just to be a servant, not just to be a human being like you and me, even though that would be in itself a massive humiliation for him, but he was even obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross, that shameful, torturous, just, awful kind of death that even even normal people would not be killed that way back in that time amen this is how much jesus has come down he has come that much for matthew but not only that jesus also has come to that tax booth right Who's was looking after who? Do, do we read in the story here that Matthew, he was just so disgusted with his way of life that he went looking for Jesus everywhere? No. Who went looking for who? Jesus looking for Matthew or Matthew looking for Jesus? Jesus went looking for Matthew, right? Matthew, he's just minding his business, sitting in his tax booth. He's still ripping people off, taking more than what he should get. And who comes looking for him? Jesus. Jesus has come not just from heaven, but he has also come to the tax booth. Amen? In Genesis 1 and 2, we see God as the creator of everything, right? That's how the scripture presents God to us. You say a word and everything comes to existence. In Genesis 3, we see God as the one who's going searching for Adam and Eve so they can come back to him after they have sinned and have fallen away from him. Amen? Think about that. The same God in Genesis chapter 3 who went looking for Adam and Eve has come down in the person of his son Jesus so he can seek and search and look for that which is lost. That's you and me so he can call sinners like you and me to repentance and to be his disciples and to follow him. We didn't go looking for God. God came looking for us. Isn't that just mind-blowing? But he didn't just even come to the tax booth. He also came to his own house. And we see that Jesus is sitting on the table, reclining with a bunch of tax collectors and sinners. Now, you got to understand, at that time, being a tax collector is, is just the, the filthiest 
job you can have. Like you are morally filthy in the eyes of everybody else. Think about it as, in our terms, in our age, prostitution. Uh, just, you know, that gives you a good, good close idea of how people thought. People can be going around in prostitution house and sleeping with prostitutes, but the stigma of being a prostitute in our society is just, oh my gosh, you know, that kind of filth, that kind of way of life is just so disgusting. And it is. Sin is never a good thing. You guys are with me? But that's how people perceive tax collectors and sinners. Do you see the tie? Tax collectors and sinners. Do you put tax collectors with the sinners? Because they're just so morally filthy in that society. Yet, Jesus, who never committed a sin, who was very well-known preacher, performing miracles, thousands of people might be waiting to hear him say a word, or just touch him one time so that he can be healed. You see him reclining, not just sitting down having a business meeting, or lecturing Matthew, or like telling Matthew what he needs to do right in his life. He's hanging out with Matthew. Right? Okay. Now, we need also to understand the cultural uh, understanding of hanging out at that time. When you sit with somebody at their table, you're identifying yourself with that person. That's how the Jewish people will understand sharing a meal. That's why in that time the Jews will never share a meal with a Gentile. Because if a Jew shared a meal with the Gentile, it's as if the Jew is identifying himself with the Gentile. So they don't want to do that. Now, Jesus here is sharing a meal with prostitutes, tax collectors, sinners, the filthiest, morally people in that society of that time. It's as if Jesus is identifying himself with them. Isn't that amazing? One of the scriptures that blows my mind away is Psalm 113, verse 7. It talks about God, and he says this. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. That's how the New Living Translation puts it. Let's say that verse together. One Psalm 113, 7. God lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. I shared this with you guys before. These are my keys, right? If my keys fall down to the ground, and I want to pick up my keys. What do I have to do? Hey, keys, come up, right? It doesn't work this way. What do I need to do in order for me to pick up these keys? I have to go down to where the keys is, right? Have you ever had your keys falling in the garbage can and you have to dig in the trash in all the garbage dump so you can get your stuff out of there, right? In order for you to pick stuff out from the garbage dump, you have to reach there. And in a way, this is what the scripture tells us about Jesus. He came down all the way down to the garbage dump so he can pick you and me from the filth of our sins. That is mind-blowing. The one who's equally God. The angel in his presence can't even see his glory. They have to cover their eyes because he's so glorious. Will come down all the way down to the garbage dump for you and me. There is a God in heaven who loves you so very much that he can and has done and is still willing to come down to the garbage dump to pick you up from the very filth of your sins. 
Amen? A lot of people question that Jesus is God, and this is no Bible, this is just my own personal thinking. I think some people question that Jesus can be equally God, because they, they just cannot believe that God Almighty will come all the way down to become like you and me. Like, I know He loves us, He's merciful, He's gracious, and all this stuff, but there is absolutely no way that God Almighty will come all the way down to be like us. Therefore, Jesus cannot be God. He might be similar to Him, like Him, but He cannot be exactly equal to the Father because God will never care about us to that point. My friends, I am cheering with you this morning. I am telling you today that He does, He does love us so much that He will come down to the very filth and the garbage of your sin so He can pick you up. Amen? Amen? He's coming. I have come, Jesus said, to call sinners to repentance. But number two, let's talk about His calling. I have come to do what? To call sinners. Well, you say, oh great. So here we have Jesus, that the Holy One, the Son of God, hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. He's identifying himself with them. Therefore, that means it's okay to live our lives any way we want because Jesus is still loving, he's still merciful, he's still gracious. He'll accept us and he'll take us no matter what. Therefore, let's go party. Right? No, it doesn't work this way. Jesus did not say, I have come to hang out with sinners or to have fun with sinners or I can encourage sinners to continue on their ways or never to offend sinners. Jesus precisely said, I have come to do what? To call sinners. Now, when Jesus said, when Matthew said here that Jesus is calling people, the idea is not just to say, you know, hey, Matthew, how are you? He's not calling him that way. The idea is that he's inviting people to leave their way of life and start fully committed following him. Amen? We have seen that even earlier in Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus called his disciple James and John. We read this. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James the son of Zebediah and his brother John, they were in the boat with their father Zebediah preparing their nets when Jesus did what? Called them. And what happened when Jesus called them? They left everything and start following Jesus, right? So Jesus' call implies and, in, and include and must means a transformation of life. Luke made it very even clear. So you never question that. He said in Luke, I have not come to call sinner to call righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's what Jesus is calling sinners for. He's not saying you can live your life any way you want. He's saying, I don't care how much you messed up. I'm still willing to take you in and I'm still willing to change your life and make you a brand new people. Yeah. There's no sin too hard for me, Jesus say, but... If you come to me, you have to be my disciple. You have to be my follower, right? And we see that in the story of Matthew. Remember Matthew was sitting down counting the money? Jesus called him and said, follow me. What does the one who's sitting down doing? First thing, stand up. 
The sitting down, now standing up. And now Matthew is following Christ and he's even introducing Jesus to his old friends, the tax collectors and sinners. Matthew went on to become the writer of the Gospel of Matthew. One of the very few people that wrote actually scriptures. But you guys follow me. Do you see the massive transformation that Jesus has done in the life of Matthew? Jesus did not say, hey, I know you're a tax collector. I know you're a sinner, but that's okay. I don't want to offend you. I want you to keep living your life the way you are. Jesus doesn't act this way. He said, I don't care how many sins you have committed. I am willing to take you in and I'm willing to accept you to be my disciple and you will become a brand new creation. Yes. Amen. The scripture says if anyone in Christ Jesus, he is what? Well, the reverse is also true. If anyone is not a new creation, then what? He, amen. He's not in Christ. Absolutely. It's, it, the opposite is also true. If you don't change, if your life is still the same, then you're not in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 And this is one of the deceptions that we might have in the church. You're not a Christian because you're in the church. You're not a Christian because you're claiming that you're a Christian. You're not a Christian because if we get quizzed in the Bible, you answer all the right answers. You're a Christian because your life has been changed. And if your life has never been changed, you can claim that you're a Christian all that you want. You don't even know who Jesus is. A life that has never been transformed is not a life in Christ. If Jesus comes into your heart, he will change everything. And if everything has not changed, then Jesus has never come into your heart. It's really simple. You can know right here, today, if you're a Christian or not. Yeah. You can know today if you're going to go to heaven or not. You don't need to wait and die and stand before God when it's too late to find out. You can find out today, right now, as I'm talking to you. The question is very simple. Have you ever repented of your sin that led you, that your life has been 180 degrees changed or not? If the answer is not, then you're not a Christian. Amen? Because when Jesus comes into your heart, he changes everything. He has not come not to offend sinners. He has come to call sinners to repentance. Amen? Okay. We talked about his coming. We talked about his call. Now let's talk about his people. And that's, in a way, the point of the whole story. There is two groups here in the story of, uh, of Jesus calling Matthew. You have the tax collectors and sinners, and you have the pastors and priests, right? Now, the Pharisees are the people who teach the scripture. These like people like me study the Bible and teach it, right? You would think, you would think when the Messiah comes that these will be the first people who, who recognize him because these are the people who have been reading about him, studying him. They know all the prophecy. You know, they know where he's going to be born, when he's going to be born. They know all this information and it's so simple for them to know who Jesus is once he claims that he is the Messiah, right? But it is not. The people who recognized Jesus is not the one who knew the Bible, who knew the scripture, is actually the one who didn't. The one who did not know the Bible, but they know that they need to be forgiven. Amen. Amen? You see, the problem with the Pharisees is this. They knew the Bible so much that they thought they're better than everybody else. Yeah. I don't need to be forgiven because I am not such a bad person. 
person. Yeah, that tax collector, oh yeah, he needs to be forgiven because he's filthy. He lives in sin and he needs to be changed. But I, I am not that bad. And that's what Jesus was, that's the point of the story. Jesus said, you know what? You say that you complaining that I'm hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. It is the sick who need the doctor, not the healthy. And then he said, go and read what is written in your book. You're calling me teacher. You're claiming that you are teaching God's word. God's word says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. In other words, God says, I am not about the rituals that makes you think that you don't need forgiveness because you give sacrifice, you give tithe, you go to church, you know the word. Because of all this stuff, you think that you're not so bad. And because you don't think that you're not so bad, you will not ask for forgiveness when I am here to offer it to you. Amen? Amen? And then Jesus said, for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. The idea here is not that Jesus is saying there is some people who are good enough that I don't need to call them to forgiveness. You guys are with me? Jesus is not saying there are people who are good enough that I don't need for them to repent. Jesus is saying, my repentance, my call to repentance is available to all. I don't care how many sins you have done. I don't care how far you have gone. I don't care how much you have messed it up. I'm willing to take you in no matter what. But there is sadly two groups of people. There is a group of people that they think that they're righteous, that they're good enough. They don't need God's forgiveness because they're not that bad. And that's the people that Jesus said they will never be forgiven. This is not the people that my calling and my forgiveness will be available for them. It's only available for those who are broken. The tax collectors and sinners who knew that they have messed it up, that they are so bad, that they are beyond repair, that there is nothing they can do to make themselves better before God. It is for this kind of broken people that my call to repentance is available. It is to them that I am willing to forgive, justify, and take them in and change them 180 degrees. Amen? I tell you from a personal experience, from my personal experience. The number one reason people don't want to come to Christ, I try to witness a lot, and from my personal experience, the number one reason people don't come to Jesus is they don't think they're bad enough that they need Jesus. They don't think that their situation is so desperate that they need salvation. They think, you know, I, I mean, it, it blows my mind away. I sit down with kids at George Mason and I, I share with them how hell looks like. And I shared that with you guys before. And I feel like, again, the closest picture in our natural realm that tells us what hell looks like is the lava that shoots out of the volcanoes. And the Bible says that hell is a lake of fire. And I would tell the kids at George Mason, it's like, imagine you're being in lava for all eternity. And Jesus today want to get you out of that. And then they say, I'm just not interested today. Because they don't see their need to be forgiven. They think it's okay. It's not that bad. And because they think it is not that bad, they're going to die and they're going to perish apart from Jesus. But only those who think I am too bad and I need a savior and I need him today. It's to them that Jesus can come into their hearts and change them today. Amen. Amen. Which one are you today? Hallelujah. Let's close our eyes. Hallelujah.